Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. I'm back. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, back from, well, the nation's capital. I was going to say something impolite, but I actually do like the city. Just my goodness. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Thank you to Victor for filling in for me while I was out. Uh, I do want to spend time on your phone calls today. I know a lot of you have questions because I have seen the questions. And in my head, as I go through it right now, I am continuing to put the show together. Normally, I have it done by now. And technically, on paper, I have an outline for how I want to do the show today. The problem is that the news keeps changing so much. There's so much going on here that I, I really feel like I need to shake it up a little bit. Uh, and, and the primary reason for shaking it up is because the more I've thought about it, I actually think something really significant happened yesterday while I was flying back from Washington, D.C. You may not get this from a lot of people, but I actually think that you really do need to notice a pattern of something that happened yesterday and it took me until just a few minutes ago to really just put together how significant it was and I know I'm right on this I know I'm right on this and the reason I'm right on this is because these things don't happen in coincidence now what do I mean well yesterday the President of the United States spoke twice to the American public about oil companies, about spending, about uh, inflation and the national mood. He answered questions. This is one of the things the President said. We're calling it a ready and release plan. This allows us to move quickly to prevent oil price spikes and respond to international events. Secondly, we need to responsibly increase American oil production without delaying or deferring our transition to clean energy. Let me, uh, let's debunk some myths here. My administration has not stopped or slowed U.S. oil production. Quite the opposite. We're producing 12 million barrels of oil per day. And by the end of this year, we will be producing one million barrels a day, more than the day in which I took office. Well, in the day in which you took office, you keep, should keep in mind the economy was still shut down because of COVID. But this was Biden on the campaign stage in 2020. Number one, no more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. That was Joe Biden then, and in fact, he delivered to it. Even uh, PolitiFact, which is trying to claim that uh, Joe Biden is somehow, uh, he, he hasn't harmed drilling, actually shows it's more complicated. Yes, you have all these unused leases on federal land, but also the Biden administration has cut the number of people who can review them to slow down the process. The Biden administration has actually curtailed the amount of federal land available, and the Biden administration has added new regulations. So he had to come out he had to try to uh to alleviate people's fears 
And then he had to come out later and talk more about inflation. And now, just now, he was caught. Let's just see this. This just happened uh, a short time ago. This from a reporter asking the president, probably a planned question by the White House about abortion. Abortion at all. Any restrictions on abortion yes. at all? Uh, yes, there should be. Yes, there should be. be. And Roe v. Wade, read it, man. You'll get educated. Should there be any restrictions on abortion at all? Yes. This is damage control from Stacey Abrams' remarks yesterday, which we will get into. So I, I've got to start here. Maybe this is somewhat muddled for some of you because it, it, literally, this is you are listening to me shape the show. As I go, but I know I'm right here. I know I'm right. The president of the United States hasn't addressed the public twice in one day for, I think, his entire administration going back to January 20th of 2021. For him to release the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And by the way, he says it's not political. He says uh, there was no politics involved. What is your response to Republicans who say you are only doing this SPR release because, to help Democrats in the midterms? Where have they been the last four months? That's my response. Is it politically motivated, sir? This no, it's not. Three weeks before the midterms? Look, it makes sense. I've been doing this for how long now? It's not- yeah, right. Um... In August, this was the headline in Politico, a new powerful signal that Democrats' midterms hopes aren't lost. Here's the headline today in Politico, Democrats' midterm hopes fade, we peaked a little early. That tells you everything you need to know. The president is in rapid damage control right now. The president is headed to Pennsylvania to try to salvage that race for John Fetterman. They thought they could win it. He's sending Jill Biden around the country. It has not helped that Stacey Abrams did it again. She stepped in it. She has put the Democrats on defense yet again. And the economic news continues to be bad. Here's the Federal Reserve's Neil Cash Carey. The problem for me with trying to say, hey, it's time to pause, is we're not even sure that we've, we've got rates high enough to push services inflation down. So until I see some compelling evidence that core inflation and services inflation have at least peaked, I'm not going to be ready to declare a pause. I'm not going to be ready to declare a pause, he says. Now, the data you need to know. This is why this is all relevant and what's happening on the ground. It is brutal. The pollsters have now shifted to their likely voter models. And it is a disaster for Democrats. In Wisconsin, Ron Johnson is now up 2.8% in the polling average. That is the first time in a while that Ron Johnson has been above two points. In Arizona, Mark Kelly is now under three points. He started at eight points. He's now at 2.5 points. Every poll has headed in Blake Masters' direction. In Nevada, Adam Laxalt is up 1.2 points. That's about where he was three weeks ago. In Pennsylvania, John Fetterman is now up 3.2 points. That's down from even Monday. In North Carolina, 
Democrats thought they may be able to surprise people, except in North Carolina, uh, Ted Budd is now up 2.8 points. That's actually an increase in the polling average. Get this one. Get this one. Pay attention to this one. In Georgia, Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock against Herschel Walker is only up 2.4 points. That is a collapse in Raphael Warnock's polling. In fact, you can tell Warnock is losing in his internal polling because the Warnock campaign has pulled their ads and they've pivoted. They're putting up new ads attacking Herschel Walker on the abortion attack, which they've ignored. Warnock would not be yanking his ads and putting up new ads on the abortion attack unless his internals had him losing. In Ohio, J.D. Vance is up 2.5 points. That's an increase. In Florida, Marco Rubio is up 4.7 points. That's an increase. But get this one, y'all. The Republicans are up 3.3% in the generic ballot. There is now only one poll in America that has the Democrats with a one-point lead. Every other poll has the Republicans with a lead. This poll is of registered voters. It's an online poll by Politico Morning Consult. It has had a bias for the Democrats the entire time, and even it is barely holding up. Let me give you the numbers here just so you have an idea of what's actually being shaped here, just so so you understand. Right now, it's Democrats up one. It had been Democrats up four. It was previously in, in the end of September, Democrats up two. It was up at the beginning of September, Democrats up five. In the very beginning of September, Democrats up five. The Democrats up five in August. Democrats up five the beginning of August. Then Democrats up four. Now it's only Democrats up one. That puts them back to where they were at the very beginning of August, before the Mar-a-Lago raid. Remarkable, remarkable to see the political morning consult poll shift over time. The fact that the Democrats had been as high as seven and are now at one tells you everything you need to know about even that one. It has captured the trend, even as the numbers are probably wrong. But let me give you the rundown of where we are right now. Republicans are up six in the released Monmouth University registered voter poll that just came out as the show started. Republicans are up two in the registered voter poll of CNBC that came out this morning. Republicans are up one in the Economist YouGov poll that came out yesterday. Democrats up one in the Political Morning Consult poll. Republicans up two in the CBS News Battleground Tracker poll, up six in Harvard-Harris, up five in Trafalgar, up seven in Rasmussen, up four in New York Times, up one in Fox News. The only polls showing the Democrats are up is the Politico poll. It has Democrats up one. Three months ago, the Democrats were up seven in that poll. This is the nightmare scenario the Democrats were fearful of. It is the one I have warned you of. It is the one y'all got tired of me saying, and I'm going to say it again. For those of you who are new listeners, you need to understand what happens because this happens every time the Republicans have a big wave year. At about the end of July, beginning of August... Republicans do one of two things. They're getting their kids back to school 
or they're taking their kids on last-minute vacations before school starts. In both cases, they are not talking to pollsters. The people most eager to talk to pollsters are Democrats. That is, has it has always been. When you combine the two factors, Republicans aren't talking to pollsters, and Democrats are very eager to talk to pollsters, your sample gets skewed. And there's a narrowing. This has happened in every election cycle in the history of polling. You don't have to believe me on that. You can look at real clear politics and their polling average. Sometimes the narrowing is small. Sometimes the narrowing is large. In midterm elections, when the Republicans have a wave year, it tends to actually show the Democrats take the lead in the generic ballot in August or September. And in October, it flips back pretty dramatically. And that is happening right now. In less than a week, the GOP has gone from being tied with the Democrats to being up 3.3 points. That puts the Republicans at a larger generic ballot polling margin than what they had in 2014 when they took back the Senate. And you can tell the internal dynamics of the Democrats know it is doom and gloom for them. Raphael Warnock would not be pulling his ads in Georgia and suddenly turning to attack Herschel Walker about the Daily Beast story if he did not see in his own internal polling that suddenly Walker had turned the corner and was turning the tide and was going to win. You would not see Joe Biden address the nation twice in a single day, something he has not done from the moment he took the presidency in January of 2021. You would not have seen that. You would not see the president of the United States going to Pennsylvania, crisscrossing that state. You would not have seen the Democrats in other states running from Joe Biden altogether. You would not see Chris Hayes on MSNBC defending the release of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve as a way to stop the Republicans, even as Joe Biden denies that's what he's doing. You would not see these things except for one thing that I told you was going to happen. It's always been the economy. And those economic numbers have now hit the middle class. And they are furious. They are going to vote Republican. And the internal polling of the Democratic Party that notice they're not sharing with anyone this year shows the doom and gloom and despair is upon them. The Grim Reaper is on their doorstep. They thought it was just a Halloween decoration, and now they know what's about to happen. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do-tank. Americans for Prosperity is a -a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. 
Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I got to talk to you just a moment about Abrams. Y'all, I'm in Georgia. I realize Georgia is the center of the political universe right now between Herschel Walker and Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is a national figure, and she's one the Democrats have really rallied behind. I want to play you the excerpt, and I'm going to play you the full excerpt. I don't want anyone to say I've taken her out of context, and I want you to hear this question that he just asked you. You're running for governor of Georgia. Uh, I would assume, maybe incorrectly, but while abortion is an issue, it nowhere reaches the level of interest of voters in terms of the cost of gas, food, bread, milk, things like that. What can a governor, what could you do as governor to alleviate the concerns of Georgia voters about those livability, daily, hourly issues that they're confronted with? But let's be clear, having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. And so these are, it's important for us to have both and conversations. We don't have the luxury of reducing it or separating them out, but we also have to talk about what a governor can do. A governor can address housing prices. A governor can address the cost of education. A governor can put money into the pockets of everyday hardworking Georgians instead of giving tax cuts to the wealthy. That's what I talk about on the trail, and that's what's resonating. But let's not pretend that women, half the population, especially those of childbearing age, they understand that having a child is absolutely an economic issue. It is only politicians who see it as simply another cultural conversation. It is a real biological and economic imperative conversation that women need to have. Um, um, this is ghoulish. I wanted you to hear the whole context because it doesn't improve what she said. That when you're talking about inflation and high prices, abortion is not just a health care issue. I I did not think the Democratic closing argument would be that um, improve your income by killing your kids. But that's where Stacey Abrams decided to go. And that's not just ghoulish. It's a damning indictment on this philosophy. And it's why Joe Biden had to declare he supports restrictions on abortion this morning. So winter is coming, and I got to tell you, I love the weight of the bull and branch sheets. I like them in the summer when it's hot and you don't want a lot of covers on you. But in the wintertime, they're just the perfect weight, the perfect, I don't know, smoothness. They're 100% organic cotton threads. They've got super softness. They get softer every time you wash them. They're just the drape when you're laying down and stuff. They're not. They're just perfect sheets. I love them. Uh, I am effusive with my praise for Bull and Branch, and I'm delighted to have them as an advertiser. Look, they're made from the highest quality threads. They got superior softness. They got over 25,000 rave customer reviews and counting. I'm one of them. The quality you can tell is great. They hold up well after all the washes I've put them through. 
and they just get softer. It doesn't matter what the thread count is if the fiber sucks, and you can tell they put a lot of great detail into the fibers they use. And look, Bola Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're going to feel the difference. You're not going to want to send them back. The first 100% organic fair trade certified bedding company ever they used 90% less water than conventional production, zero pesticides, other chemical, chemical, toxic chemicals. They don't use them. It's just fantastic. Listen, I'm effusive with my praise. I love Bull and Branch. Try them for yourself. And again, you get a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping, returns on all orders. Try the sheets that will make you fall for the coziest night sleep in the season where you want cozy sheets. 15% off your first set of sheets. Free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC. Trust me, they're worth it. We've got five bedrooms, five beds, Boland Branch sheets on every bed. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I do want to tell you some of what I learned in Washington, D.C. You'll have to stick around for some of those conversations because I want to take some of your phone calls as well. I'm going to start with Jeff. Jeff, welcome to the program. Eric, my friend, uh, nice to have you back. First off, we love your guest host, but there's only one double E, my friend. Well, thank you. you. I appreciate it. I'm great. Thanks for calling. <laughs> so I have some proof of your of your position today for you. I am at one of the bluest of blue polling locations in uh, in Fulton, and I happen to overhear a gentleman walk up to his wife. She looks at him, and he says, well, I voted for only one Republican and he looks at her and says, Kemp. So <laughs> I turn around and give myself a high five. I, and of course, I don't think anyone's ever pulled an R uh, lever at, at any of these precincts. So it kind of goes hand in hand with what you're talking about today, almost to a T that her, her campaign is basically doomed at this point. Yeah, look, they know it, too. That's the thing, Jeff. Thanks very much for the phone call. Um, I want to say something really important here, and I need everybody to hear this, and this this goes off of uh, Jeff the caller's point that he made. You need to remember two things as we head into the final few weeks of the midterm elections. Anecdotes are not data. What does that mean? The caller Jeff said there weren't a lot of people at this very Democratic precinct, but one of them was voting for Brian Kemp, the only Republican this Democrat voted for. Someone else put up a tweet of a recreation center in a part of Cobb County, Georgia, which is a a very uh, majority-minority area of Cobb County that is historically one of the Democratic hotspots where in 2020, the general election line was never less than 20 to 30 people deep for early voting, and in 2018 was never less than 15 people deep, and there was nobody there this morning. 
anecdote is not data. However, anecdotes over time begin to become part of the data. When it's happening everywhere, it becomes the data. And in three days of early voting, in my state, what we know is a third of the voters voted Democrat in 2020, a third of the voters voted Republican in 2020 in the primaries, and the other third didn't vote at all. What we are seeing is record turnout across the nation. A member of Congress in a swing district texted me this morning from his state, said he knows he's going to win, he's in a swing district, he has a slight Republican edge to begin with. Democrats historically dominate early voting in his state. It's been going on for a week now, and the Democratic trends are behind where they've been even in 2020 and 2018. We also don't know who people are voting for in early voting. We're seeing a number of moderate Democrats flip to the right on the issue of the economy and crime. Don't freak out about the early voting. Don't freak out. But also remember, anecdotes, not data. Just because you don't know anyone who's voting for Herschel Walker doesn't mean no one is. Just because you don't know anyone who's voting for Raphael Warnock doesn't mean no one is. Keep in mind that these campaigns have a lot of information they don't share. Here's something I find very notable. In 2018 and 2020, Democrats were pretty aggressively with the media showing their internal private polling. Not the private polling that was designed to generate a media narrative, but their actual polling. In 2008, one of the reasons Nate Silver of 538 came to fame was because he was able to get insider access to Barack Obama's internal polling that nobody else could. And so he knew the trajectory of the race. He knew what was going on. It made his career in political polling. By 2020, the Democrats building their media narrative of the inevitability of their win were openly sharing their internal polling with a whole host of political pundits and prognosticators to try to help them shape what was going on. The Republicans were not sharing their data. The Democrats were sharing their data. And as a result, the entirety of the national media had developed these narratives that showed a Democratic wave was coming, and they never saw the corresponding Republican wave. Remember, the Republicans won every single open seat in Congress in 2020, and the Republicans won all 23 swing seats in Congress. The Republicans came within five seats of taking back the House, and there was not a single person in America who really saw it coming. Some claim they saw it, but no one was with any data did because even the Republican polling missed what was happening. Anecdote is not data, but enough anecdotes over time do become the data. And you've got to remember that that happened. You've got to remember those two things. Stop with the one-off. Well, in my precinct, it's normally a big crowd, but this time there wasn't. But when that's happening in every precinct, that's a data point. And here's what we know. In the final three weeks of a campaign, 
the undecided voters who are majority white, majority women, they all break in a direction. And according to every bit of data that exists in America today in politics, on the Democratic side and on the Republican side, those undecided swing voters who are mostly white, mostly women, are breaking overwhelmingly to the Republican side. I've been in Washington, D.C. for several days in meetings. Let me tell you a couple of the things I've heard. One, the internal polling for the Walker campaign shows him winning independence, including independent women, just like what's happening nationally. Two, I had a very lengthy meeting with an out side conservative group that's doing Noradocket in Georgia. They are focused only on undecided voters who don't vote in primary. So they're ignoring the people who vote in the Republican primary. They're ignoring the people who vote in the Democratic primary. They're only focused on people who go vote in the general election. And those people are breaking two to one for Herschel Walker. When you take all of that data, because that's data, not anecdote, when you take all of that data and you add into it that Raphael Warnock has at the end of this campaign, instead of making a positive, upbeat closing argument for himself, started attacking Herschel Walker over the abortion allegations, you know that Raphael Warnock's internal polling shows Herschel Walker skyrocketing with momentum. This is the time to begin making your closing argument if you're a candidate. What's your closing argument? It's your final closeout ad. It's the I'm a nice guy. Don't hold against me all the nasty stuff you've heard. Please, for the love of God, vote for me over the other side. Raphael Warnock's closing ad is now an attack on Herschel Walker. You want to know what Herschel Walker's closing ad is? I've got Herschel Walker's closing argument for the voters right here. It is Vince Dooley, the historic football coach for the University of Georgia, popular across the state. Even with Georgia Tech fans, they like Vince Dooley. I'm Herschel Walker, and I approve this message. I admired Herschel from the beginning. Herschel has always been challenged about doing things that people thought he wasn't capable of doing. He wants to be the best, and he has striven to do that, disciplined himself to do that, falls sometimes along the way, but he gets back up and with his incredible drive and self-discipline, he has achieved mighty things. He's a real patriot of this country. He loves the United States of America. He also is realistic that it can be better. He is not a, quote, politician. There is a need in this country. There is need in this state for somebody like Herschel. Knowing him, the character that he has, he will make a great United States senator. That's Vince Dooley. That's Herschel Walker's closing ad for campaign 2022. Raphael Warnock has ditched his ads and gone on attack over the abortion allegations against Herschel Walker. That tells me that Warnock's internal advertising is doom and gloom for Warnock. They wouldn't be making that pivot at the very end. They have ignored those allegations. They've allowed other Democrats to make those allegations, and now they're embracing the allegations and turning it into an attack. That's a sign. In Arizona, in Arizona, 
Republicans have been running a, a Blake and Lake campaign. Blake Masters is going to join me next week on this radio program. Blake Masters is the Republican Senate candidate who has been behind the entirety of the race, so much so Mitch McConnell gave up on him. The Republicans decided he could not win, and suddenly it is a two-point race in Arizona. Having been a 10- to 8-point race, it is a narrow race now. The Republicans have turned their attention back to Arizona. They are flooding money back into the race. The dynamics have changed. And what are the dynamics that have changed? The economy. It's always been the economy. It's always been the economy. In August and September, when Republicans were on vacation or getting their kids back to school and Democrats were the dominant voices in the American media narrative, it was abortion. It's not the case anymore. We're back to where we were. In Nevada, Catherine Cortez Masso is losing to Adam Laxalt. Her closing argument is protecting abortion rights. The CBS News battleground poll in Nevada that came out this morning, the top 10 issues in Nevada are not abortion. It's the economy, it's inflation, it's kitchen table issues, it's crime, it's immigration, it's the border. It's schools, it's jobs, it's not abortion. When you combine all those issues into one, because let's be honest and fair to uh, Cortez Masto, uh, jobs, the economy, inflation, gas, groceries, that's all really one issue. But that issue is at 60% followed by immigration, followed by crime. No, I'm sorry, crime and then immigration. And then the border, and you add immigration and border together, then that tops crime. And abortion is still outside the top five. And that's your closing argument. The nightmare scenario I told you is going to happen to the Democrats is beginning to unfold before our eyes, and they are now panicked. And they've stopped sharing their internal data. Don't confuse anecdote and data, but understand over time, when the anecdotes keep adding up, they do become the data, and the data for the Democrats is bad. Before I get out of here, I want to uh, jump to Alan real quick. Alan, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, thank you. It's such an honor. I've talked to you a couple times. I'll make it quick. So I've done analytics in the past. I can't agree with you more. And what I would do is ask people within programs I ran, anecdotal, but I knew I knew pretty quickly when it became data. So that's the first thing. And second thing is, so this comes, what is your projected insight on, will this quiet down the folks? Will this, probably not, right? This, you know, no, I don't think so. What's it going to take for um, them to finally figure out, like, hey, you know, this is not what we want? So here, here's the problem, and it's funny you should say this, because I, I literally had this conversation yesterday with a friend of mine in Washington. Uh, what's going to be the media narrative? When Democrats win, it's always Republicans suck, Republicans are bad, and everyone's rejected Republicans. When Democrats win, it's never Democrats suck and uh, Americans have rejected them. <laughs> it's always Republicans suppress the vote or angry white people had a backlash. Uh, and that's what it's going to be again. Uh, being a Democrat, being a woke Democrat, means you never have to analyze why you lost. You can just immediately presume the Republicans stole it and the media gives you air cover. What I will tell you, though, is if you look in all candor and honesty with no partisan spin BS, many Democratic primaries saw the liberal Democrats beat the
the progressive Democrats. And so they have some ground to say that they themselves are not as woke. The problem is that the loudest voices in the Democratic Party still are. They are the dominant voices in the media. And so for the Democrats to move past the wokes, they've got to honestly assess that. And I don't think they're capable of doing it, Alan. I I just don't. They need to get everybody in a room together and plug in the Eden Pure Thunderstorm three-pack, put all three of them in that room together and clean the air, deodorize it, get the patchouli and the weed odors out of the Democrats, and maybe they have a fighting chance. Democrats, if you're out there, you should do this. Everyone else should, too. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the discount code ERIC3 on the front of the website, ERIC3. You can get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms. You can eliminate odors, foul odors, like the stench of defeat, Democrats. You'll be able to do that after the election with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It eliminates odors. It doesn't mask them. It gets rid of the pet odors, the litter box odors, the smoke odors, the musty odors. You get three of them for less than $200. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. Go do that now. Get the stench out of your house. EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code ERIC3. Look, this is actually really important um, across the board. I want you to sign up for the email because I'm going to be upping the volume of emails that are sent. I don't want to flood your inbox, but we're in the last couple of weeks of the election, and I want you as informed and up-to-date as possible. And so I'm going to to send probably not every day, but you'll get a few more emails from me than you normally do. But it's necessary as these stories are coming in fast and furious in the last couple of weeks. I want you to be involved. I want you to be up to speed. I want you to be smarter than your neighbors so you can keep them informed. So text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You should be following me on Instagram where I'll do a lot of live and, and video posts to keep you up to date. Uh, Facebook, you should subscribe to the email, which is the very top link. I want you guys to be as informed as possible. I've only got three hours on this radio program. And when stuff happens after I'm off air, and I'm pretty convinced they wait until I'm off air to do stuff. I want to be able to make sure I can get it to you as quick as possible so you are as informed as as humanly possible. Text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Click that first link and sign up. Um, Now, look, we got a lot more stuff to talk about when we come back. I do want to talk to you about some of the conversations I had in D.C. It was very interesting. What I was doing, in addition to meetings with some conservative groups in private, I did a lot of media roundtable discussions with reporters for a variety of reasons, but obviously they're all very interested in Georgia. What I found very notable is that in two roundtable discussions with groups of mainstream media reporters, they were very open about talking about the president's mental decline. It was actually striking to me how behind the scenes They have started talking, not that Biden has dementia, but that he is showing his age. And I think it's true. He really is starting to show his age. Having to push him out there two times yesterday to talk to the public is just another uh, signal indicator that they're trying to undo some of the damage of people are beginning to perceive. He's just too old and not up for the job. 
I want to talk about all that. But when we come back, I need a moment of I told you so. I really do need to spend some moments in raw politics with you. I'll take your phone calls as well. 877-973-7425. 